We're continuing this morning our series on the seven churches in the book of Revelation. We've come to the third church, Pergamos. My wife asked me to look up what Pergamos means last night. It means papyrus or it means what you write on. So the town was famous for inventing basically paper. The uh, town's name today is actually Bergamos, which is very close to um, a Russian word, Bugama, that, uh, which is book, right? So it's kind of where we get our, our word, our paper, our book, and that's where this town is. They were noted for having a library which rivaled Alexandria at that time. We want to remember, too, the two churches and where we've been. We've been with Ephesus and that first love, that first understanding of what Jesus means and bringing us to him. We have been with Smyrna, the persecuted church in which Jesus is still faithful no matter what. And today we come to Pergamos. The church that was warned about compromising. It's a difficult topic for myself to talk about today because I am a compromising person. It's the type of person I am. I would much rather be a person that says, you like blue, you like yellow. We can mix them together and we can make green and everyone will be happy. And yet, the person who's blue says it's not blue, and the person who's yellow says it's not yellow. So we have this church here that we talk about today. When we think of compromising, there's a, there's a story about aboriginals in Australia before 1974. They had a huge tract of land kind of in the northern area of Australia. The land was covered with green ants. And the aboriginals believed that those green ants were sacred. They were descendants of their pagan gods. A mining company approached them. They approached them many times. And they said, we want to go onto your land and we want to mine because we found uranium there, this precious metal. But the aboriginals would not budge. They said, if you destroy the land of our sacred green ants, our gods will pronounce a curse upon us, and we will have years of drought and famine. Well, in 1974, the aboriginals sold the land. Do you know what changed their mind? $8.3 million. For that, the gods could find another place to live. And yet we look at this story and we think of our church today and our church standards today. We hear a lot nowadays about compromising beliefs and living in a world where you believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe. It's okay. Where sin seems to go unchecked, we are soft 
everyone says we do not condemn sin the way we used to. People talk about this as an entirely new problem in our church. As if corruption and compromise in the church didn't exist till a few years ago. We talk about how it used to be in the olden days where we did not compromise. We act as if this is some sort of new phenomenon, a sign of the end, as it were. And yet here we read in the Word of God a letter written to a church that existed nearly 20 centuries ago where we find evidence of a compromising church. And today I say, praise God. Now be careful here. I am not praising God because of a compromising church. What I am praising God for is that he has provided us examples so that nothing is new under the sun. We have the old adage that if we do not study history and learn from it, we are bound to repeat it. And so God has given us this warning here in Revelation of a compromising church. Let's go back and take a look at the first start of this letter because it brings us some very happy things in the first start of this message to this church. We notice where Pergamos is located. It's a church that is in the very seat of Satan. We have come to understand through history that this church was in a center that accepted all religions. It was found to be, according to the scriptures here, the seat of Satan. It was steeped in the worship of pagan deities of Roman emperors. A place where everyone was required every year to go and offer their incense and to say that Caesar is God. And yet they did that as lip service while they kept many other religions. Anything went. If a new one was found, it was brought here. The libraries were filled with the texts of this new message that's been found. People look, you can believe whatever you want. Here it is. There were no absolutes, no eternal standard. It was every man and woman for himself. And Satan was in his heyday. Corruption and immorality abounded at every turn. Are we talking today or are we talking 20 centuries ago? But yet, in the midst of this unstable mass of religious confusion, we find a group that's different. We find a group that's not bowing down to gods at every turn, a group that isn't perverting themselves with immorality or other worship of other gods, a group that is preaching about a God that is high above the earth, exalted above all other gods. We find the group, as we are told in verse 13, that does not deny the name of Jesus Christ, neither have they denied his faith. So we see this light upon this shining hill. I don't know about you, but there are times I find myself in situations, even in today's world, where the devil seems to be running the show. There is so much talk about 
anything goes today. Do what you feel. Do what you like. And I'm not necessarily talking about such as a bar or other places. I'm talking about just in your own workplaces. Even amongst ourselves and our talk among ourselves. There are some out there that say we should take a megaphone, stand on a table, point out the sins. We see this on street corners. And if that's what God calls you to do, you should do it with all your soul and might. But I can promise you one thing, it's not going to work. For as you see, as I read through the church of Pergamos, I find they lived in a hotbed of everyone preaching on every street corner. They lived where Satan himself had set up his throne. They never once themselves condemned what was going on around them. So what they did, they did whatever they wanted to. And yet we still see this church lifting up the name of Jesus, exalting the faith of Jesus. It is not enough to tell someone what they are doing is wrong and then expect them to change. Change has to come from within the heart. You know what happens when we as evangelists talk to people, get them to quit smoking and to quit drinking and to show that they're good and sober Christians. The problem is, is that if it does not come from the heart, we are sending these individuals to hell, sober and non-smokers. There has been no change in the deep meaning of their life in their hearts. When we introduce them to Jesus, that's when we change them around. That's when we bring them forward. As Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Don't start by pointing out the wrongs. Start by living for Jesus and explaining what Jesus has done for you. The rest will come. It was done in Pergamos. It can be done here. It can change the world. That's not to say that they came and kept to themselves in their own cloister. They lived in the world. They prevailed in the world. They lived in this town where anything went, but yet they lifted up the name of Jesus. They began to ask questions of those around them, and as a result, lives were changed. As we begin to change lives, will Satan go to sleep? We have to remember that if Satan cannot get you with all the things around you, he will get you from within. And sometimes the battle within is worse than the battle without. It is very easy to see that the, those outside the church are wrong. But when we have Satan working on the inside to pervert and to change in subtle ways, it is much harder to fight. The devil has not stopped his work and wants to divert the attention of God's people away from the work. 
And this is what we find as the warning to the church in Pergamos. What has Satan done here? He has laid a stumbling block. In the Greek translation, the words here literally means that he has raised up a scandal. We've never seen scandals in our church, have we? Satan knows that if we take Jesus into our own hearts, that suddenly he has to work from not presenting the outside world as good, but from work on creating scandal and diverting attention from within. We have the example of Balaam used here, where Balaam is sent out and he's paid by a king to go curse Israel. And he can't do it. In fact, he blesses Israel three times. But the king comes back to him and says, Look, I, I want to get rid of these Israelites. How do I do it? And for money, Balaam gives him the secret. What was the secret? If you read further on in the story, he says, I'll tell you what you do. You just send out your women out there. They will become part of the Israelites. They will pervert from within. Balaam was a prophet of the Lord, a worshiper of the God of Israel. He blessed Israel three times. But when that didn't work, the king refused to give up. So Balaam gave out Satan's greatest secret. He told them exactly how to work on a church. Go to this filing card, find this information, work from within. It is an important lesson to us to learn from this story. When Satan fails to stop God's church by external force, his next plan is to get into the church and create scandal. The greatest threat to the church of God is not from without, but with, from within. When the church is attacked by society or some outside agency, we put up our defenses, we fight back. We saw that with the church at Smyrna. It was attacked from all sides, and yet it was pure within. In our own churches, someone gets pregnant out of wedlock. Someone has an affair. Someone in the congregation is arrested for drugs. And we immediately see fractions within the church. We take sides and the church splits and falls apart. We are doing the work of Satan within our own church. How do we prevent this? We have to go to the Gospel of Matthew, looking at chapter 13, and we see how God works within his church. It's an interesting story. Here we see that in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, that the seed is sown. They went out and sowed good wheat seed. But when it came up, the enemy was also went out and sowed tares. What does Jesus say? He doesn't say, go rip out the tares. He says, leave them. Because if you rip out those tares, we might have good saints ripped out at the same time. How many times have we heard stories of churches that have split over 
the new organ that's going to be put in the church or the color of the carpet or the stained glass window. In this world, we are too quick to get rid of the sin that we find ourselves, not the sin that Jesus sees, the sin that we, the church, find. In many ways, the Christian church is more brutal than armies in the world. We shoot our own wounded. And friends, the Word of God tells us that when one member of the body of Christ hurts, so does every other member. So if you shoot a hurting member, you will kill more. I cannot tell you how many stories we come across where the church mistreats its own. We have got to be so careful on how we deal with scandals within our church. Let us all, as we go forward, grow together so that as we are dealing with sinners, we deal with the sin, not the sinner. Everyone is a child of God by creation, and each one of us has the potential to become his child by faith. To restore to God's family through Jesus Christ, this is who we want to be. In hearing Kendrick's song this morning, we want to be those footsteps that lead others not that turn them away, that lead others to Christ. We can always tell, we can't always tell the difference between the good and the bad ones within our own congregation. Too many sins are hidden, and we do not want others to find out about them. The, sin, the, the non-hidden sins are too easy to point out. But remember, we all are sinners. And that at times, we have all been those weeds that affect others. We have to allow the miracle of Jesus who can change those tares, those weeds, back into wheat. How many times have we seen those that have scandals in their past who can take that and bring that out as a message and help those who have had similar problems. Let us hold fast to the name of Jesus. Let us keep on lifting him up. We want to prevent that compromise. Of course, we do not condone any sin. We want to point that sin out but we want to uplift Jesus in that sinner and to bring that personal victory, to lift up the name of Jesus so that it is known to all who come in contact with us. Forget everything else for now and just keep lifting up the name of Jesus. That line in the text today that says, My name is lifted up. Are we worried about a bunch of wishy-washy Christians? When we lift up the name of Jesus and tell others what he has done for us, they will want to find out how we learned that, how we studied the Bible, how we brought about those facts.
Remember what is said in John chapter 5, verse 39. Search the scriptures, for they will teach you about me. Do not look to the world for your inspiration. Do not look for the scandal to purify the church. Look for the scriptures to purify the church. If you want to do justice in the name of Jesus, you first have to get to know him and what he is. And then he will do justice in you. The Bible is a love letter from Jesus to each one of us. And this book is powerful and will reveal Jesus to each one of us. It will reveal his love in such a way you cannot help but be touched by it. And once you are touched by it, you will never turn back. You will be pure. You will be uncompromising. And more than anything else, you will desperately need Jesus to lead and guide you every day. Let us ask him to come in, to lead, to guide, and we will be the uncompromising church.